Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the podcast, Business and Pleasure, with me, Troy Francis. Well, welcome to the show, Thursday evening, coming at you as usual from the centre of London town. Now today, I wanted to talk about uh, something I've tweeted about today and something I actually wrote a blog post about today as well, and that is the subject of intimacy, and in particular, the difficulty of intimacy. And this is something that I've written about before, so it's not a new topic for me, but I decided to write about it this time because I just read a short prose poem by the French poet Charles Baudelaire in his book Paris Spleen, which was a collection of prose poems that he wrote. I think it came out in 1867 or 1869. I think 1869, actually, after he had died. It was published posthumously by his sister. And what Paris Spleen was, as I say, was a book of prose poems. It was really a collection of fragments of observation that Baudelaire's uh, made as he wandered around Paris like a flaneur, like the flaneur that he was. So you might be aware of his earlier poetic cycle, which I think was called Les Fleurs du Mal, uh, which the Flowers of Evil, which is his, his most famous work, if you like. And Paris Spleen was a kind of a spin-off from that, uh, where he said he went into a bit more detail. Um, he expands on some of the themes of poverty and evil and degradation and sin and injustice and so on and you know but more than that really it's just it's almost like a little diary it's almost like somebody's diary wandering around Paris in the mid to late 19th century and just the things that he sees on the streets it's really interesting it's really inspiring actually I'd love to do something similar to that uh, in Soho in London, and, and that may well be what I'm going to be doing going into next year. So this is very much, this book is very much something that could be a model for me going forward, and I'm reading it with that uh, in mind. Anyway, there's a particular story, or there's a particular piece in the book, which is called The Eyes of the Poor. And I read it last night, and it really struck me, so much so that I wrote uh, a blog post about it, and I'm talking about it now. And the reason for that is because this particular story, I think, touches very much on intimacy. Now, one of the things that I've said recently about intimacy is that I think it's, I think true intimacy between human beings is not possible. Now... That sounds incredibly nihilistic, and I'm not going to win any, you know, hundreds and hundreds of fans for saying something like that. And I don't really, I mean, yes, on the one hand, it is sort of nihilistic, but on the other hand, I just think it's realistic, really. And what I mean by it is this. See, the point is, I'm very, very close to some people, and I have in the past been very, very close to to other people. I've been in, you know, long-term relationships and so on and so forth. But the point is this. We are all, in the end, sealed human. We're hermetically sealed. We are distinct from one another. Nobody can get inside my brain and see what I'm thinking or see the world exactly as I see it or experience the world exactly as I experience it anymore then I can get into anybody else's brain or body and experience and see the world in exactly the same way that they do. So inherently, just because of the physiological nature of being a human being, 
the notion of intimacy is already problematic because how do we get over that bridge? How do we get into somebody else's head? How do we get into somebody else's body and heart and soul? Now, of course, the romantic notion of falling in love is exactly that. We say we become one. We become one person. We see things, you know, we are one and the same. Uh, my other half. I refer to my wife as my other half. Not that I have a wife, but you know what I mean. One might refer to one's wife as one's other half. We are the same person. We are conjoined. We are. We think the same thoughts. We feel the same feelings, etc., etc. Except... But really, we know that that is not possible. Really, we know that that is nonsensical. And the difficulty is, it's fine when both parties go along with it, and it's fine when you are effectively on the same page or a very similar page, but sometimes something will happen that will shock you out of that illusion. And when that happens, it can be very disconcerting and it can be very painful depending on what happens as a result. Now, in the story, The Eyes of the Poor by Baudelaire, what happens is a man and his, the narrator, who we can assume to be Baudelaire, but it may be a character that he invented, the narrator and his, it doesn't say wife or girlfriend, but certainly his his female partner, spend a day together. It says they spend a very long day together, which to him seems as though it passes in an instant. In an instant. And on that day, they promise one another that they will... Uh, become one they will think the same thoughts they will feel the same feelings etc etc you know they declare love to each other i guess in that in that romantic way in the evening they go to a cafe so the lady says she wants to go to this sparkling amazing new cafe somewhere in paris so they go to this cafe and they sit down and they have wine and the place is described as being sumptuous and guilt laden and there are wonderful marble carvings and cherubs and seraphims all over the place. And it's a very uh, luxurious, voluptuous sort of place. So they're sitting there in this luxury and they look out of the window. And outside the window, the narrator sees a man and his two children approaching. Now, this is a poor man with two poor children. The children, One of the children is in his arms, uh, can't walk, is probably, mount, you know, due to malnutrition or illness and the other child is, is holding his hand and they're all all three of them are gazing into the window with this kind of wonder mixed with jealousy and admiration and the the father looks at the at the into the window and just takes in the wonder of the of this you know fantastically over the top sort of luxurious extravagance and his son looks at it with a look that says, this is not a place for people like us. We are too poor to be here. This is not for us. And the young baby is too young to understand what's going on, but just giggles and stares in wonder at the gold and the lights and everything else. Now, the man, and I'm talking about the man in the couple now, sitting inside the, the cafe, looks out at these people and he feels compassion and he feels pity and he feels a sense of guilt about the fact that he's got this full decanter of wine and these big glasses and he's sitting there with plenty when this family are sitting outside with not or standing outside with nothing looking in he feels guilt he feels shame he feels uh, compassion he feels pity and sadness and he looks at his wife 
or he looks at the lady he's with and he assumes that she is on the same page and she looks at him and she says, those people out there are so annoying looking at us with those big eyes. Can't you tell the maitre d' to tell them to move on? And that is a terrible moment of realisation for the man, for the narrator, because what he realises is that actually the woman that he's with, who he thinks is his soulmate, who he thinks is on the same page as him, is not on the same page at all on this issue. She's actually thinking something that's completely the opposite of what he's thinking. And look, I mean, <clears throat> it has to be said, this doesn't paint uh, the female character in a particularly good light, and feminists might take issue with that, but that's not really what I'm concerned with here. Uh, I don't know the degree to which this is intend intended as a critique of women. Well, actually, I think, it is, I think actually it is intended as a critique of women because earlier on in the tale, uh, Baudelaire refers to um, the impermeability of women. So I think this is a, a bit of a dig at women, um, which, as I say, people may take issue with. But I put that to one side because that's not the main point that I want to take from this. The point that I want to take from this is the fact that on this issue, at least, this couple are not aligned. They are not as one. And even though he thought that they were, when she opens her mouth and articulates what she's actually thinking, it's something very different to what he thought. And I think this illustrates this impossibility of true intimacy. Because even when we think that we really know someone, even when we think that we're entirely on the same page, the truth is that we're not. We might be a 100 million miles apart from each other. And you know, that's a sad realisation. It's not really what people want to hear because people want to hear that the, the fairy tale idea of oneness uh, that comes about as, you know, in a relationship is true. I don't think it can be true. I think you can be very close with somebody and I think you can love somebody. I'm not denying those things, but I think that intimacy in the sense of as I say, that kind of shared consciousness is simply not possible, and despite what the romantic myths tell us. And I think Baudelaire illustrates that very cruelly and very sharply in this particular piece of writing. So take from that what you will. I think in the end, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be in a relationship. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't trust somebody. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't love somebody. But I think we have to be open to the reality of human relations. And I think we have to be open to the reality of the human condition, which is that, as I say, in the end, we are all on our own, in our own bodies, in our own minds, in our own hearts, in our own souls. We are all hermetically sealed within our own individual consciousness. And that's just the way it is. And there's not really any changing that. So there you go. Slightly downbeat, I know. I apologise for that. Well, actually, I don't apologise for it because if this show's about anything, it's about telling it like it is. And I think this is an example of telling it like it is. Now, you know, as I say, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean you have to go and commit suicide or get terribly depressed or unhappy because you can still have good relationships with people anyway. You can still be close. You can still do anything that you want to do. But you have to be aware that in the end, you are on your own. And that's just how it is. But you know what? Once you realize that, once you toughen up, 
then life can only get better. So, at that point, I shall leave it today, and we will speak again tomorrow. Bye-bye.